When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. Major League Baseball news, NFL thoughts, NCAA realignment, and the NBA trade and free agency chaos. All that and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, presented by In The Clutch, officially licensed apparel from Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, and Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, Some wonderful t-shirts, retro stuff as well. Go and visit intheclutch.com. And check out, if you'll use the code SPORTSSTOVE, you'll get 10% off your first purchase. That's in the clutch.com code SPORTSSTOVE for 10% off your purchase. Happy 4th of July weekend, and welcome to an all-new season of the Sports Stove Podcast. Excited to be back with you. I'm your host, Vince Stover, joined as I am most uh, episodes by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, uh, welcome. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Got, got a great call. Great holiday weekend here, so it's good. Yeah, you got big big plans for the uh, 4th of July? Uh, no, actually I don't, So, but uh, I'll enjoy the day off, so that'll be great. Yeah, the day off. Uh, you going to get out to the fishing hole? I uh, don't know. I got to go Friday, and that was good, so uh, we'll see. I thought about it. All right. Well, I know you and Mom get a little crazy sometimes, so you never know, <laughs> never know what's going to happen on 4th of July. <laughs> Uh, bottle right. rocket fights in the house or something. I don't know. Um, it's it's that time of year, right? Everything's kind of slowing down sports-wise for about a month, and then everything will pick up really heavy again. We're going to actually start our uh, college football previews next week. But uh, right now, it's basically just baseball. Um, if you're into golf, there's golf going on as well. Um, but it's it's kind of that dead time with the exception of the NBA free agency opening up this week. It's just baseball, but there's enough going on in baseball to talk about. And one of those things is the New York Mets. Uh, Dad, the Mets, they have been in first place all season in the NL East, but they've also been without Jacob deGrom all season. And then they lost uh, Max Scherzer as well for a time. Scherzer is going to be back on the mound this week. deGrom is uh, doing another rehab uh, start, so he should be back in the next two weeks or so. Um, but you look at this, this, you know, we've looked at the, uh, NL East and stuff before, 
But you look at Scherzer and DeGrom coming back, and I don't know how long they can stay healthy, but I've said last last episode that I think the Braves are going to make a run here at this, this this division, but you add guys like Scherzer and DeGrom, and it makes you second think that. What are your thoughts on the Mets and what the rest of the season holds for them? Well, I mean, again, adding those two guys ought to really make a difference, and they've done well, you know, they're, but um, the Braves are making a move, and I think the Braves will definitely – um, stay in the hunt. They will contend um, whether for sure it'll be the division. And I'm sure those two pitchers will help. But again, the Braves were playing well. And, um, you know, the Mets have played well. The Phillies have rebounded a little bit. So, um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. But it looks like the Braves, and like I said, the Braves have, have an injury issue too. I don't know when they're expected to get him back or if they are this year. But, um, you know, um, but it, it should be the, the the Mets have been you know the power team, um, and like we talked about it last time, you know the New York fans will not be very forgiving if if this folds up. So we'll see. Yeah, they've been a lot better this year than last year. Last year they had high expectations. Uh, they brought in Francisco Lindor, and he did nothing last year. He's gotten things going much better here this year already. Twelve home runs. Uh, nine stolen bases, batting 247, 247 uh, as well. Pete Alonso's had a really good year. Sterling Marte has been a really good addition uh, to this team, even more so than I thought he would be. Uh, so they, they, they've been looking good. And, yeah, pitching is kind of the – that was what they were looking at going into the season is, wow, we've got these guys that bring in Bassett, they bring in Scherzer. They already had DeGrom. DeGrom gets injured. So he misses time, but then you got Bassett, who's been great so far this year. Uh, Carrasco has been, eh, he's been okay. Uh, let's see here. Not great. Uh, but Walker's been the, the good guy, uh, and the healthy guys, Taiwan Walker. Uh, he has got six and two, 2.72 ERA, 52 strikeouts, which isn't a great number. Um, but he's been really good so far this season as well. Now you bring in Scherzer, who's who? Let's see here. He started eight games. He's pitched eight games so far this season. Five and one in those eight games with an ERA of two point five four. He's been out now for a little while. Then, like I said, Degrom coming back. He's in that process of rehabbing and should be back soon. You look at Atlanta. You mentioned injury issues there. Uh, Albies is the main guy that's been hurt there. Um, Olson, I think I saw where he set a record for the Braves doubles before the All-Star break um, with 18 games still to go before the All-Star break. So he's he's been crushing the ball, has been a great addition uh, with the absence of Freddie Freeman. Austin Riley's been really good as well. And uh, so good things have, have happened there. And that pitching staff, yeah, and I looked at the beginning of the season when we talked about the Braves, pitching staff was the big question mark I had. I wasn't sure if they had the pieces uh, to, to kind of to take care of business, I suppose, uh, there in the AL East. But so far, they've done they've done decent. They've done fine. They've not been great. Um, uh, let's see here. Max Freed has kind of led the way for them. Kyle Wright has been pretty good uh, as well for them. He's uh, 3.03 ERA. So he's, he's doing okay. But, again, they've not been stellar. Now, though, that uh, um, the Mets are getting healthy, I, I, man, I mean, I just said it last, what, when did we do that show? Thursday, Friday, Thursday. Nope, Wednesday. Um, that I thought Atlanta would win this division, but the more I look at it, the more I realize I might be wrong. Um, the Mets might be the better team, top to bottom. Uh, not a perfect team, but a better team 
top to bottom in the East versus versus Atlanta. I so I'm already backtracking on what I said in the last episode. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Los Angeles Dodgers, dad, four game win streak. They are now four and a half up on San Diego. San Diego's had injury issues. They've lost three straight. Actually, uh, San Diego, San Francisco and Arizona have all lost three out of the the last 10. The Dodgers seven out of the last 10. Uh, so maybe starting to get a little bit of distance, uh, here and they've got injury issues too. Walker Bueller's been out and will still be out for a little while, but they seem to be kind of holding their own San Diego, we assume Tatis would be back relatively soon. Uh, probably see him as a DH more so than a, than a shortstop when he does return. And uh, uh, I don't know if they can catch him either. It seems like we're starting to see that top team in each division, especially in the National League, kind of start to pull pull away, show what they have. The Mets, the, the Brewers, and the Dodgers. And the Brewers, though, they're getting beat up by Pittsburgh. Um, they, they, they beat them, I think, 19-2 to two the other day. Um, they're, they're beating them right now as we do this show, but, uh, you can't lose any to Pittsburgh in my opinion, but Milwaukee and St. Louis top two in the central as well. Uh, not a whole lot of movement elsewhere. Yankees run things in the East, the Houston run things in the West. And then you got Minnesota three games up still on Cleveland. Uh, have we settled in on the idea of Minnesota winning the central? Do we think, uh, Cleveland can catch them or, did the White Sox fire La Russa and, and maybe get things going in Chicago? Yeah, I, I don't think it's a sure thing Minnesota will win yet at this point. Again, you know, they've been ahead. Of course, Cleveland got ahead there for just a little bit. I would think Cleveland and I would think the White Sox could easily turn things around and it could be a three-team race, um, you know, before we get done with winning that division. Minnesota may win it, but I don't see them just running away with it. So, Yeah, I mean – that one doesn't scare me at all, right? Minnesota doesn't scare me. Cleveland doesn't scare me. Chicago doesn't scare me. To me, it's it's either Houston or the Yankees um, in in the AL. Toronto just pulls ahead of Boston to be second place in the AL East, but there's not been enough consistency there. So for me, I'm looking at it as the AL is down to New York and Houston. Do you agree with that, or do you think those other guys in the East have a chance? No, I, I think that's definitely the two best teams right now, and it looks like it doesn't look like anybody's going to catch um, the Yankees. It'll be interesting to see who the wild cards end up. I was looking to standing just a little bit, getting ready for this, and it'll be interesting. Again, I don't think Seattle, um, you know, they've been disappointing this year. I don't think they're going to push Houston, but they, they have done a little better, and right now they've got players out on the suspension for that fight. be interesting when they get people back, you know, if they can turn it around and at least be respectable. You know, we, we thought they should be at the first of the year, and may still be a chance for that. There may still be a chance for that, for sure. Uh, Dad, in our new season, we are going to try to do a call of the game, uh, of the day, excuse me, uh, each of our shows, and just listen to a TV or radio call from a sporting event. Uh, I always enjoy hearing some some good calls. So today we're going to take our first uh, play of the day or call of the day. I guess i got to get the segment right, correct? Yeah, we're working on some music and everything for it as well. Call of the day. This comes from the Minnesota-Baltimore baseball game earlier today. To center field. Santander to third. He's going to be waved around. Celestino's throw. A strong one to the play. Got him. Two. There you go. Minnesota uh, catches center field and throws out the runner at home plate. That audio is brought to you by the MLB Network. 
uh, there. And so there's our first call of the day. And that is presented by Elementor here in these episodes. Elementor is the place you need to go to to get your website up and running the way that it needs to run to look professional and all of those good things as well. We have an exclusive Elementor link on our YouTube notes as well as the podcast notes for this episode. And uh, so make sure you go visit there, use that link and learn more about how Elementor can give you a professional looking and easy to manage website as everyone looks at your website, it better look good. Dad, let's talk NCAA. The more news has come out, more uh, realignments happening. We see UCLA and USC joining the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten is supposedly working on getting Notre Dame. Looks like Oregon will be joining soon. And possibly Washington if Notre Dame doesn't go to the Big Ten. And the rumors that I've been hearing is Clemson and Florida State being targeted by the SEC. I've also heard Virginia Tech maybe instead of Florida State uh, being targeted to the SEC. But uh, this idea of conferences growing, shrinking, changing, I don't think we're going to see the end of this anytime soon, are we? No, no, we're not. Um, I, I knew when the SEC expanded, the Big Ten would not um, sit still. And even though they had, you know, real quick, they announced this alliance with uh Pac-12 and the ACC, when I, that didn't make a lot of sense because it didn't change a whole lot of stuff uh, there. And I think now um, things are headed toward, you know, massive conference realignment, of course, and bowl games are going to have to be re-looked at, the playoffs, everything down the line. I mean, when you look at it now, um, once these teams get in, Oklahoma and Texas and the SEC and then UCLA and USC, uh, in the Big Ten, that what that's 32 teams. And I always heard people talk about, well, you know, they might have a 40-team power conference. Well, you're not far away. And really, there's just a few more um, f- few more dominoes to drop. You know, Notre Dame needs to go somewhere. If one of those two conferences at Big Ten can get them, then you got, like I said, Oregon and Washington. Uh, the other schools, I think, you know, you have to look at, like you said, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. Um, if you can get them in a conference or in the SEC, then you've got your two. As far as football, and it's funny because football is really driving this. So the big, the basketball conferences are going to suffer here. Um, if you get those schools in the SEC and the Big Ten, then, you know, the Pac-12 is going to have to change radically. The ACC going to have to change. And there's enough schools that basically you take the ACC and the the Big 12 are part of them and have teams in the East. You'd have, um, you know, some of the schools in the Pac-12, the Arizona schools, um, and, you know, maybe some others get with the Mountain West, some teams there and have a conference there. But you're going to have the two big power conferences in football. And it looks like it's headed that way. There's some other schools, a couple of the Big 12, um, schools could fit in some other places. Georgia Tech, you know, could fit in whether or not a power geographically, you know, they could. Um, so I, I think once these major schools, and it wouldn't be surprising in the next week or two to hear about that, but you get Clemson, Florida State, and, you know, I think Miami really has to go somewhere too with their tradition and everything. Um, and then, like I said, Oregon, probably Washington also, and um, Notre Dame, but it'd be interesting. Now, if Notre Dame goes to the ACC, maybe that changes things, but I think we're really looking more at 
two conferences. And that, to me, that was really big news. And the way UCLA and USC handled it, you know, the Pac-12 didn't see that coming. Sounds like they could have because of a television rights not being renewed. But um, uh, that, that was pretty big news in college sports. And I think that'll continue for the next few weeks because there's a lot of things that have to be figure it out. I guess UCLA and USC can come into the conference maybe quicker than Texas and Oklahoma, um, you know, go into the SEC or maybe about the same time. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it might be a year earlier. I don't remember. I was thinking Texas, Oklahoma was um, 2025, but I could be wrong on that. Uh, USC and UCLA is going in 2024. You said football is driving it. And obviously I know what you mean by that, but the truth is money's driving it and football brings in the money. So yeah. uh, that's why football is driving the conversation right now. I think that the SEC and the PAC 12 specifically need to go all in on basketball instead of trying to fight what's going on in the realignment based off of football. Why not go all in the other direction? Uh, Kansas is still floating around the big 12. Um, you know, why not? Why not look to add them to the to the Pac-12? Um, you know, now there's there was rumor that Miami, by the way, Dad, um, the Big Ten was looking at Miami, and the former head football coach at Miami, who's now a coordinator at Penn State, said, "No, they won't fit the Big Ten. Uh, so they, I don't, I'm not sure if that's ultimately what made the decision. But uh, you know, I think that that the ACC, they're still alive in this, and they could still make some a splash in this, but. Why not kind of go the other direction? Why not say these are two really good football conferences? Why don't we attack something different? Now, now the football brings in the money, but Duke and North Carolina, football doesn't bring in money at Duke, Duke and North Carolina. It brings in some, of course, but basketball is where they make their hay. So why not really go all in on a, on a basketball conference and maybe work with the other conferences to add schools? The Pac-12 has already said they're not going to stay at 10. Uh, they are going to add schools. We don't know which ones yet. I'm sure it will be uh, schools out, of, like you said, the Mountain West over th- those kinds of areas. But um, we are just getting started in this alignment. And I cover Eastern Kentucky University. The rumor has long been they're going to Conference USA, uh, I think 2024. Um, and that's putting just puzzle pieces together and hearing things not from within the university. Anytime I talk to someone in the university about, hey, when are we going to Conference USA? All I get told is we've not been invited to Conference USA. We are happy to be in the ASUN. Um, but that'll change, I think, very soon. And with this conference realignment, every time the big conference loses somebody, they're going to pull somebody up. And so expect Conference USA to lose lose people and therefore open up the door for schools like Eastern Kentucky to move in uh, there as well. So all that plays plays a role in it. Uh, for sure. There's when you pull a major school out, dad, the SEC pulling Oklahoma and Texas, the Big Ten pulling USC and UCLA, you can't really replace that. I mean, the Big 12 brings in Cincinnati and they bring in uh, South Florida, those kinds of schools. That's not replacing Oklahoma and Texas and you can't replace them. So you've got to find a way to buy in and to make the most out of what you can get. And I, I don't know, you know, Cincinnati's been really good these last several years in football, especially. So the Big 12 adding them is a good thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's it's still not Oklahoma and it's not Texas, even though Cincinnati's been better at football than Texas the last couple of years. 
Um, you know, we'll see how it all shakes out. And I go back to uh, Lincoln Riley. He he left Oklahoma for USC, and the argument by many people, including myself, was he didn't want to be in the SEC. Well, now he's in the Big Ten. Is that much better? I mean, I think the SEC is the premier conference in college football. But the Big Ten, you're facing Ohio State, who's going to be at the top every single year. Then you've got programs like Penn State, like Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, that are not pushovers, Iowa, that are going to be really hard as well. So um, and what do you make of the people, Dan, that a lot of people have made the thing about, well, USC and UCLA and the Big Ten, do they not know it snows in the wintertime? Yeah, um, of course, it'll be interesting with, with scheduling. But like you said, you know, money is what is driving this from there. And, and when you look at that, the Big Ten <laughs> is in great shape. They've got people in the eastern markets now. Um, they've got people, you know, they got L.A. Um, and everything there. I, I don't think. I don't think weather is, you know, would be a big deal. And one, it, it, you know, they can work scheduling um, if they want to uh, to help with that. Now, whether they will or not, I don't know. But you can have, you know, you, you, will USC and UCLA actually play in Minnesota and Madison, Wisconsin, you know, in the last game in November? It wouldn't have to be that way. And, again, football players, yeah, these guys are going to go pro. And they play in all kinds of weather. So um, I, I don't think that, you know, they've, they've talked about travel. That is a little bit of a deal. Um, you get teams now in the Big Ten in the Eastern time zone, and now you've got teams in the West. But, again, this is all stuff that the NFL has dealt with and learned how to deal with, you know, people traveling there. So it's not like there's not a system, not, um, you know, ways to know how to do it. Um, it'll be interesting. I really affect some of the other sports, but you know, at this point, those schools aren't worried about that. I mean, you got baseball, you've got UCLA and USC who played baseball year round. And you know, the big 10 teams are never an issue because they can't, they can't even practice till maybe <laughs> April. So never long play. Now, again, scheduling can be done with that. And if they get more West coast schools, um, if they, let's say they get Oregon, and Washington, that that will that will change things a little bit, and it can from a scheduling standpoint. Okay, so let's talk about that though, because you talk about the NFL, the NBA, all that kind of stuff. Yes, but what does USC and UCLA have that uh, the Rams and the Chargers don't have? And the answer is student athletes. Um, so it's different for the NFL and the NBA and professional sports because that's their job. That's what they do. Uh, now you can argue at some schools, that's what the athletes do also, but, uh, they are students still as well. And so there are, their travel is a huge issue. And you talk about the last game of the season. Well, UCLA and USC will probably play each other. The last game of the season would be my guess. And I still think that there is a benefit the other way, you got a, a school that's that's practicing and playing in the cold. They travel out to LA. Not only do you have the travel, now you got dehydration, uh, uh, heat that you don't have otherwise. Um, so there can be a benefit. Now, granted, it's easier to play in the warmer weather in LA in November than it is to play in, in Minnesota, especially in the winter. But uh, there, I think there's a benefit both sides there. Uh, but travel is a huge issue, and uh, if they do add more West schools, it will help to some degree as well because then they'll have three schools to travel around at out there. 
Um, I think basketball schedule is more of an issue than the football schedule, um, but that's the way I see it. My guess is they'll schedule it where you go out to California and play two games versus go to California, play one game, fly back to Rutgers <laughs> for the game on Thursday, uh, something like that as well. Uh, but a realignment brings in a lot of questions, brings in a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, and uh, we'll see where it continues to go. But the, uh, but the Big Ten – the Big Ten UCLA USC thing did make a lot of sense as far as rivalries are concerned. It's easily going to work in there because you've had USC and Ohio State um, for years in basketball. You, you know, I've heard them say you got UCLA and Indiana and um, you know different teams like that. So um, fan wise, uh, I think this will pick up really quickly. Yeah, and what the Rose Bowl has seen its share, you know, Wisconsin's been out there recently a lot. Michigan has a history there. Ohio State has a history there. So there's there's some ties actually to LA with the Big 10, which is kind of surprising um, when you think about it, but uh yeah, there's it it makes sense in that that way. That's the only way it makes sense, I think. But um yeah, it is it is what it is. Uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to be joined by Drew Moradis to talk NBA. But, Dad, before we get to that, I want to talk some NFL stuff. You brought up a question in a phone conversation this week with me about Jalen Hurts' fantasy value. Um, you were surprised by how high he was rated. And uh, we talked through a little bit. Philadelphia, uh, we both like Jalen Hurts. Uh, but, you know, how viable is he as a fantasy quarterback? And my quick arguments were, well, they added A.J. Brown. They've got uh, Smith, Devontae Smith, and he's a running quarterback, so he's going to get points that way. Uh, but how high did you see Jalen Hurts in the rankings? Um, I mean, you know, again, I you know, I, I've seen him way up there as high as fifth, and I've seen him fifth and sixth a lot. I think that's really speculation at this point. I think when I'm looking at fantasy quarterbacks, I can find guys. Um, you know, like I said, I, I made I've started working on it a little bit. I've got ten guys that are starters, that if I had any one of those 10, I'd say, hey, I've got my starting quarterback, a guy, the main guy to build around, and Jalen Hurts is not one of those. Um, He's in the next tier. Now, he could be. I mean, again, the thing about him is he has the weapons. He's got running back. He's got a tight end. um, You know, he's got a couple receivers now. And um, if, you know, I mean, you know, he could put up big numbers. I just don't see where you can say, wow, he's going to be ahead of, you know, some of the guys and almost everyone has him ahead of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I know I'm a Packer fan, but I I don't know that you can guarantee that. I mean, there's questions with Rodgers, with receivers and whatever there. But, you know, you got Lamar Jackson. I mean, to me, there's just guys I, I don't see Russell Wilson. I mean, you know. Jalen Hurts is definitely, you know, he's better than Russell Wilson. I don't know you know that at this stage. So, um, I, I mean, he's somebody that somebody will take a chance on and probably will take him as their first quarterback. But I think it's speculation without a doubt. Yeah, ESPN has him ranked number seven right now <clears throat> behind Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Jackson, Murray, Prescott. They've got him ahead of Brady, Rogers, Burrow, Wilson, Stafford, uh, Derek Carr, I think you could make an argument uh, that this year he could be. Uh, if Jalen Hurts fulfills his potential, he'll be a top three fantasy quarterback. 
but I don't know that I have the belief that he's going to fulfill his potential. And again, from day one, I've been a Hurt supporter uh, coming into the draft. I was huge on him coming into the draft. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think Burrow, with all the weapons Burrow has, uh, now he doesn't run like Hurts. Again, that's where the fantasy stuff comes in. Hurts is a runner. But Burrow intrigues me. Russell Wilson, like you said, intrigues me. He's got weapons uh, there in Denver. Rodgers has been a top fantasy quarterback. Stafford has been a really good fantasy quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you said 10 guys. I think I probably got him about that same area. Um, he's a guy I take a shot at, but he's not a guy I go for, if that makes sense. If he falls in the right spot, I'd be excited to have him as my fantasy quarterback. But uh, otherwise, I'm not sure I'd be super excited uh, about that, just because of the uncertainty that Jalen Hurts brings. Um, and remember, Philadelphia set up this offseason, this draft time, they set up where they could have the the ammunition to go up and get a quarterback next year's draft. So if they if they don't win, what, nine games? I mean, how many games do they have to win for Jalen Hurts to keep his job? Oh, we got the lag. <laughs> um, I, I think they have to get in the playoffs. I think that'll be the issue there and probably need to win 10 games or so, but um, I need to get in the playoffs. Um, ideally, it'd be great for them to win the division. Then he'll be pretty safe if he's the quarterback the whole time there. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it'll take it'll take that. I think he'll do well. Oh, I hope he'll do well. I just don't think fantasy wise he's you know he's he's that high. He may be up in the top ten or whatever, um, but uh, I, I just don't see you know to, to know for sure. Not when you look at some of these. There's so many solid quarterbacks fantasy wise to me. I mean you know I mean you look at stats. Effort. I mean, they won the Super Bowl. They've got another good receiver with them. He's got the best receiver, arguably, in football right now. I mean, you know, I, I, but yet, you know, no, no, he, he's going to be, be way down there compared to Jalen Hurts. I just don't know about that. All right. Well, I think this is a good time to transition, Dad. You're, uh, we got. Uh, technical issues again. So it works out perfectly. Uh, we've hit the halfway mark. We're going to transition to NBA. Uh, Dad, thank you for joining us again today. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. And happy 4th of July to you and mom and and everyone else there in Ohio. All right. That's Dale Stover uh, with us most, most weeks as well. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to talk NBA trades and free agency. But first, a word from In the Clutch. InTheClutch.com, the newest sponsors of the Sports Stove podcast, and we are excited to partner with InTheClutch.com. They have officially licensed apparel and accessories for your favorite sports teams and athletes. Use code SPORTSSTOVE and get 10% off your first purchase. You can find shirts like I Still Own You from Green Bay Packers. Are we talking about practice? All kinds of great shirts in baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. Officially licensed apparel from InTheClutch.com. Again, use the code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. Welcome back into the Sports Stove Podcast. And joining us now from Belly Up Basketball, first time on the show, Drew Moretis. Drew, thanks for being with us. How you doing? 
Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right myself. Good. Yeah, doing awesome. Fourth of July weekend is upon us. Uh, I get off of work tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, you got big plans for the fourth of July? Absolutely, man. I actually um, I have work off as well. I've got school off, but I was heading down to I was actually going to head down to Siesta Key tomorrow. Trying to head down early in the morning, you know how the traffic is on Fourth of July. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely got to beat that traffic. Right. Uh, Drew, first time on the show, so we got to get to know you a little bit. Uh, you're with Belly Up Basketball, which is awesome. Of course, we've had Parker on several times. Um, and, uh, you're so kind to join us today. Uh, basketball, who do you cheer for NBA wise? NBA wise, man. Ever since I think I was four years old, I was born and raised in Houston and I'll always bleed rockets, Houston Rockets. <laughs> I know it's kind of tough right now, but I'll always be a Rockets fan. You know, as a sports fan in general, I, I like young, you know, potential teams, uh, I enjoy watching those. Memphis has been so much fun to watch here recently. Um, Phoenix had been that way. Of course, CP3 is not not young. But uh, with Devin Booker and Aiden, even though we can talk about Aiden here in a few minutes. Um, yeah. But those kinds of things. I'm trying to get my kids. So my kids are 14 and 11. And I've tried to get them to not cheer for the LeBrons of the world, but to like get in with one of these young teams and follow them up through the ranks and yeah. uh, and kind of support that. It's more fun, I think, that way. Definitely, definitely. That's why I don't want to call myself a bandwagon, but that's kind of what I've done with the Dallas Mavericks. Mm -hmm. I don't really call myself a fan fan, but just watching Luka and how he just elevates that whole team. And I know the Jalen Brunson thing, that's going to hurt, I yes. think, in the long run. But I think the Christian Wood trade was really impactful. And I, I just don't see enough to where I, don't, I would shoot them out of the playoffs yet. I think the West is stacked, but I think that roster – keeping them intact, adding Christian Wood. I think that'll offset Jalen Brunson. All right, so let's talk about Christian Wood a minute. You're As a Rockets fan, you got to see him uh, yeah. there. And, and you know, they're kind of mixed bag in Houston. Um, yeah. Obviously a talented player. There were some different things happening there. So he goes to Dallas. Is a change of scenery going to be everything for Christian Wood? I think so. And I think the one, I wouldn't say a big issue, but a small issue with Christian Wood is that I would I bring this up a lot. I don't think he fit the timeline in Houston. Mm. I don't I don't think he fit the timeline. You know, you look at these guys, you look at Kevin Porter Jr., you look at Jalen Green, Sengun, and now you look at Jabari Smith, and you look at Christian Wood, a guy who's 27 years old. I, I just don't think he was fitting that timeline. And of course, he's gonna be he's gonna be in line for a new contract, I think, here soon. So the Rockets were gonna have to pay him. And I think that trade really offset. Obviously, the Rockets got a couple of role players who will probably help out salary fillers. But I think this trade was about picks, obviously. I think this was just about Houston continuing their young rebuild and getting better. And then let's transition that to Dallas then. Uh, with adding Christian Wood, uh, what does he bring to that team? How does he fit in to that to that team with Luca, of course, leading the way? Absolutely. The one thing I like about Christian Wood's game is that he's a floor spacer. You know, he can shoot the three. He's obviously your modern big man. I don't love his size, obviously him being 6'11". I'm not in love with his size, but I'm in love with the fact that he can play a small ball five. He can shoot the three. He's not a bad defender at all. And that was one thing I really noticed last year watching Houston is that teams are trying to attack Christian Wood in the pick and roll. They try and go after him in the paint, and he would hold his own, even though playing the five most of the time he would be undersized. But obviously being a floor spacer and a three-point specialist, I think that really helps out Luka. Just adds, it just adds more shooting to that team. 
100%. You talked about Jalen Brunson as well. The Knicks have missed on so many free agents in the recent years. Is Jalen Brunson the guy in New York? First of all, is it an overpay? Yes, I think it is an overpay. I I wouldn't call it an extreme overpay because I think Jalen Brunson is deserving of a contract that is between, I'd say, 18 to 21 million, 25 million, maybe stretching it a little bit. But you look at what he did last year in the play. I watched him in the playoffs, and he was out there when Luca was hurt, dropping 30 points, 40 points, 30 points again. I mean, he was he showed that he can be a go-to scorer for that team. And I think him being that lead role in New York, along with R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, I, I would not – I would keep my eye on the Knicks. I'm not saying they're going to be a title team, but I would really keep my eye on them as far as the playoffs go. Uh, when you look at the Knicks, so I'm a, uh, I live in Lexington, Kentucky. I, I grew up a Kentucky basketball fan. Um, Julius Randle is one of my favorite current NBA Kentucky guys. And now last year did not go well. The year before was amazing for him. Absolutely. Um, really good year from him. The Knicks seem like that team that have the pieces in place to be a really good team if they buy into each other. Um, Because they don't really have that one guy that can just dominate a game, in my opinion. Uh, Would you agree with that, or how do you feel that fits? I I totally agree. I agree. I think the Knicks are that team that is made up of about, I'd say, five to six great players. But you don't look at that one person on the team and be like, that guy's a superstar. That guy's a star. That guy can average 27 points a night. You look at a bunch of guys that they have who can give you 16, 17, 18, 18 points a game. A guy like Julius Randle, who did average over 20 a game two years ago. He averaged, I think it was 18 or 19 last year. So obviously a little bit of a dip. But I just look at the Knicks, and I I like their collection of pieces. But I don't think they have that one guy, that one guy who you can go to in crunch time and be like, we need a bucket. Can you get us a bucket? I don't think they have that guy. I just think they have about five to six good, good role players that can, of course, give you the 17, 18 a night. Yeah, they're like guys that would be great number three guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as opposed to having one of those, they got four or five of them. Absolutely. And you look at a guy like R.J. Barrett, I'd bring up, he would be a great number three on a championship team, I feel like. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. number three guy who's not expected to carry the load but obviously do his part. I think R.J. Barrett would be a great number three. Yeah, his game's growing too, isn't it? I mean, he's we've oh, seen yeah. progress in him. He, his oh, yeah. rookie year was not great, mm-hmm. um, but it seems like he's starting to come into his own, get more confident in what he's doing. And uh, and that should pay off for the Knicks. So again, one of the things you look at, if you look at, I think Milwaukee fits this. I think Golden State fits this. Is that team mindset? They play together. Um, You know, San Antonio had that for years, where they just play together. If New York can buy into the "we more than me" mentality, they could be a really good, you know, five, six, seven seed uh, in the NBA playoffs. Absolutely, you saw that two years ago when they it. When you watched the play, it seemed like they were playing as a team that they had that whole buy-in mindset. Mm-hmm. And you saw what they could do, of course, they were a five seed in the playoffs. So, obviously, I think if they can get that all together, they add a guy like Jalen Brunson. Hopefully, he lives up to what his contract is. I think New York could absolutely be between five and eight in the playoffs. Let's get to some of these trades that have happened. Uh, Rudy Gobert uh, ends up being the the guy that gets moved. I guess there's still a chance for Spider to get moved too, but uh, Gobert gets moved to Minnesota. How does he fit with Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, Two really big guys. Granted, Carl Anthony Towns doesn't play big all the time, but two big guys there in Minnesota. 
I think at first you'll see that it maybe can be a weird fit, but I think over time it'll adjust because obviously Minnesota did this trade because they feel like Carl Anthony Towns can play the four. And I think he can. I think his game fits naturally more as a four than a five. But I think this trade will help out Anthony Edwards too. Oh, Anthony yeah. Edwards, I think this helps out D'Angelo, D'Angelo Russell too, obviously if they plan on hanging on to him. I do not like – I will say I do not like what they gave up. I think they gave up way, way too much for Rudy Gobert. I do, you mean, think it's, do you think it's too much with the players or too much with the picks? I would say a little bit of both. Obviously, the players, you look at – those are all key guys who are coming off the bench. Obviously, you got your Vanderbilts. You got Malik Beasley. They they traded that rookie. It was Walker Kessler who they just had just drafted. I think he could have been a key piece maybe in one to two years, obviously develop him. And then, of course, the first-round picks. You really – if you're Minnesota, you really, really, really have to hope that this works out because this could go very south if it does not. 100%. Oh, yes. um, Kat, again, being a Kentucky fan, I've been a Carl Anthony Towns fan as well. Jared Vanderbilt – love Jared Vanderbilt also. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah but Carl Anthony Towns, he is – he's tall and he's big. But, yeah, four makes a whole lot more sense for him oh, yeah. Than the five does. And Gobert, what he gives you is defense. I've been in an argument on Twitter with Andy Sire from the Sane podcast uh, for the last couple of days about Rudy Gobert and Kevin Durant. But uh, Gobert is just, he's a, he's a great role player. And he's phenomenal at his role. But I almost put him more in a Dennis Rodman mindset than, than a number one on your team mindset. Does that make sense? Does that? Yeah. You look at both of their games, and Dennis Rodman and Rudy Gobert are almost never going to be like your number ones that are going to contribute on offense. We know that. But on defense, they are they are so lethal that at times it can look like it makes up for that. Yeah. Yeah, and Rudy, you know, he's got – he's averaging a double-double in his career, 12 points, 11 boards, I think, somewhere in that range. But – a lot of those points are coming from putbacks from those rebounds, which is great exactly. for him. It's not, it's not a knock on him. Um, but if he can buy into the fact that he's there to play defense um, and they're not asking him to be an offensive player, I mean, it's not say he can't shoot, he can't score, or anything like that. But he's so much with the NBA is buy-in. And if you don't buy into the role that you are there to fulfill – you're just going to get in the way. And I think we've seen that with several players over the last several years where they can't buy into the role that the team needs them to be at. Minnesota has so much talent. That starting five is a really good starting five now, but they've got to buy into their roles and, and fulfill those things in order for them to ever get over this hump and be a legit contender in, in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think what Rudy Gobert needs to understand is that there are at least three guys at this moment who are going to be counted on for offense. He's not one of those guys. You have D'Angelo Russell, obviously Anthony Edwards, and now Carl Anthony Towns playing the four. You have those guys to go to for offense. You are not going to be expected to contribute on offense. You are there to lock down the paint, and I think that's what he needs to understand. And if he can buy into that role, they can be a really, really, really good team this year. I agree. Boston goes out and gets Malcolm Brogdon. They've said so far they're planning on bringing him off the bench to be the sixth man. Uh, I said this in the uh, company Slack here recently, but Brogdon, I think, could be the piece that puts Boston over the edge. Uh, What are your thoughts on Brogdon to Boston? Because obviously his Indianapolis days weren't great. Uh, They weren't horrible, but they weren't great either. Health played a big role into that. 
Uh, but what do you think about that addition for Boston? Yeah, I just I just don't think he was given a really good opportunity to thrive in Indianapolis. Of course, they've kind of been stagnant the past three to four years, haven't really had much movement, positive or negative. They've just kind of been there. But I think along – I don't know which one I like better, but along with the DeJounte Murray to the Hawks trade, this was by far my favorite trade because hmm. I think the Boston Celtics fleeced Indianapolis in this trade. I think – they absolutely fleece them. You look at it, Daniel Tyson, a first-round pick for a guy like Malcolm Brogdon who can shoot. He can play defense. And I honestly think they should start him. I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not – and that's not a knock against Marcus Smart. I just think Marcus Smart's game is going to work better as a two, where, of course, he got better at shooting. Obviously, he can play defense. But I look at a lineup of Brogdon, Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and, of course, Robert Williams with guys like Pritchard, Horford, and Grant Williams gone off the bench. I think that team can be really good. It would not shock me one bit if they're in the NBA Finals again next year. Would not shock me. Yeah, I agree. And it's almost like the Pacers. And we got this around the trade deadline time this past season. The Pacers were looking to get rid of them. They just, for whatever reason, they just didn't want them there anymore. Uh, now they've been doing the same with Miles Turner and haven't been able to unload him anywhere yet. But uh, yeah, I was surprised the return wasn't good for Indianapolis. Um, they got the pick. Uh, Neesmith, I think, was included in that too, but I, I was surprised uh, when I heard they traded with Boston. I was thinking, "Ooh, I wonder who they got." Uh, I lived in Indiana for a couple of years, so I kind of followed the Pacers while I was there. Um, yeah, disappointing, disappointing haul there for them. Atlanta, you mentioned Dejounte Murray comes over. Uh, they uh, they lose Gallinari and that uh, trade, who now ends up in Boston as well. By the way, oh yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then DeJounte Murray comes over. Uh, they lose Hoarder uh, in a different trade. But yep. uh, Murray's one of those guys who has just gotten better every single year. Oh, yeah. And now he gets added to this Atlanta team who has a lot of moxie and a lot of talent. Of course, they're still going to make more moves. John Collins is probably on the move, things like that as well. But Atlanta's that team that just two years ago, like Julius Randle, just two years ago we thought, man, this team is going to be legit. And then last year they kind of they weren't as good as we thought they'd be. Yeah, I think I look at DeJounte Murray as kind of a younger and I think a little bit better version of what Malcolm Brogdon is, Hmm. a guy who can play defense, who can play make. And it really isn't a bad shooter at all. And I absolutely love that fit. You look at a guy like Trey Young, obviously defensive liability. Teams like to attack him. That defense is no longer a weakness in that backcourt because you have a guy like DeJounte Murray who can offset that. So I look at that. You have you still have your DeAndre Hunter. You still have Clint Capella. That team, I think, is going to be a lot better defensively, and you'll be able to see it really early on. I felt like Atlanta had too many pieces, which is weird yeah. to say. They had a lot of good depth, but it seems like you've got to get to where you've got eight guys, and that's just – now, regular season, who cares? But once you yeah. get to the playoffs, you got to have eight guys and kind of just keep it at seven, eight guys and, and let that play out. And they just had too many, too many guys there that were capable – and it's hard to keep them on the bench when you got guys that are capable to be there uh, as well. Um, the Sacramento Kings make two additions. They bring in Hoarder from the trade with Atlanta. They also bring in Malik Monk. And again, I'm a Kentucky guy, so I apologize. <laughs> but De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk back together again. They were phenomenal together in college. Oh, yeah. Monk is a uh, he's a subpar NBA player. He's got he's got a role as well. Uh, but then you bring in Hoarder as well, who's who's got potential to add some offense to that Kings. Are the Kings ever going to be what they were probably before you were 
born. I don't know how old you are, but uh, but oh, what I, think I would have been I would have been one year old. I think the last time the Kings were there, it was 0-2. I would okay, have been one year old. Yeah. <laughs> so will they ever be that good again? I think what needs to happen is because the Kings are in kind of this group of teams that are never going to attract free agents. We know that they're kind of with the Portland's of the world, you know, the Indianapolis of the world, they need to build their team through the draft. And I think what's going to happen this year is that I think there will be improvement because I, I like them getting hurter because I feel like he just wasn't being utilized enough in Atlanta. I like them getting hurter, but I just look at the fit with Sabonis and it almost looks kind of awkward at times with Fox and obviously, of course, losing Tyrese Halliburton was huge. I think they're going to regret that trade. Yeah, that was a weird one. And I, again, following the Pacers, a Sabonis fan, um, so I thought that he's. A, I think he's a really good player. Uh, it was interesting that Halliburton is who they gave up, though. I was surprised with that as well. Uh, they've got Fox still, Davion Mitchell still as well. Um, this is a team. Keegan Murray, who first summer league game went off twenty six oh, points. Yeah. Um, so looks like a good addition there too. And they've got to figure out a way, new coach again this year. Seems like they go through coaches like nothing else, but new coach in Sacramento as well. I'm interested to see how that team shakes out. Um, free agents, other trades that are going to come down. Let's start with the, the Brooklyn guys. Let's start with KD. Uh, he said he wants to trade Miami and Phoenix makes sense with the pieces that they can give. But uh, supposedly Brooklyn said, if it's not Devin Booker, he's not going to Phoenix, which blows my mind because you know, Phoenix isn't giving up Devin Booker. Um, where does KD end up? Uh, let's, let's start with that. I've got more KD questions, but where does KD end up? I think in the end, I think Phoenix and Brooklyn are eventually going to agree to something. I think eventually that trade's going to go down. And I am a little bit worried about it because I think it is going to absolutely gut Phoenix's roster. Hmm. I think you're ob- you're obviously going to lose Aiden. I think you're obviously going to lose Mikhail Bridges, who I really like as well. Yes, and I think you're going to lose a lot of bench pieces too. And along with first round picks, that could be worth something in the future. But and I want to bring up this fact too. I mean, you look at the Rudy Gobert trade with the Timberwolves, and you saw the haul that Utah got for Rudy Gobert. Just imagine the haul that Brooklyn is going to get for Kevin Durant. Yeah, I mean it, it's going to go down. I think as the biggest trade in NBA history, as far as pieces. That's a good point. You know, the difference would be is Gobert didn't dr- attract any superstar players. Mm-hmm. Um, where in Phoenix, if you lose Aiton and Bridges alone, uh, I would argue that losing Aiton and Bridges for Durant's a pretty even trade for both sides, and and they're going to have to give up a whole lot more than that though to get them. Oh, yeah. Uh, like you said, I think the same thing's true with Miami, right? Miami, you're not going to lose Bam because they're not going to give him up. You're not going to lose Butler. They're not going to give him up. Um, I think everybody else is is somewhat available in Miami uh, for the most part. And so you could get a massive haul there, too, if you're Brooklyn uh, working to get that. KD, superstar player, one of the best all-time scorers to ever play the game. His mental strength is almost non-existent it seems like like this guy is softer than than well cupcake is the word that was used when he yeah. left Oklahoma city um he really is soft is he not i agree i i think i I've, I've seen so many threads i within the last week and I'll, I'll just see some random twitter user making a kd comment and i look down there it is kevin durant responding with some <laughs> bogus 
reply and I just look and I'm like, why is KD even giving time to these people? Yeah. I mean, it's just making him look even worse. Yeah. It, it makes him look soft in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, his current teammate, soon to be former teammate, Kyrie Irving, the rumor has it Los Angeles is where he's headed for Russell Westbrook. Um, I mean, if you would have told me two months ago, Kyrie would be traded for Russell Westbrook, which hasn't happened yet and may not happen. Uh, but I would say there's no chance in the world that Brooklyn would do that trade. And now they're just looking for someone who can actually put on the jersey and play games for him, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing about this is, is even if this trade goes down, I would not be shocked if something happens with Kyrie this season. And, of course, remember, he's a free agent next year. I would not be surprised if he ends up signing with the Lakers in the long run. Because the Lakers next year will have the cap space to get Kyrie Irving. So either way, I think whether it's this year or next year, I think eventually he will find his way on the Lakers. Of course, we're hearing the reports about this trade. Nothing's finalized yet, but it would not shock me either way. If, But I think it's all but certain he's a Laker. Would you want Kyrie on your team? He He has the potential to be – a superstar I wouldn't consider him a superstar I think he's a star right now but you look at Kyrie's game and when he's on his game it is really something special to watch I I find myself looking I'm like holy crap how did he do that (laughs) right he's a wizard as I saw my high school basketball coach and I was watching a lot of videos trying to find guys that I clips that I could send to my players and say watch these things and and I got pulled into Kyrie tape and uh, and I, I do not I don't know how to say this in a nice way. And I guess it doesn't matter. Kyrie's not going to hear this. I don't really respect Kyrie um, in the sense that I would want him on my team. I don't want him on the team that I'm cheering for those kinds of things. I don't think he's a horrible person or anything like that, but the dude's getting paid millions of dollars. I just want you to go play basketball. Like you can have your personal beliefs and thoughts and share them on your, your Instagram and your Twitter. I don't care about that, but you need to be in uniform playing games. And, uh, and so I, I don't, I don't love that about him, but I watched him. I thought, man, if my guys could pick up anything from him, it's phenomenal. His talent is absolutely incredible uh, there. DeAndre Ayton, we mentioned him a couple of times. Um, you know, there was rumors that he's going to go to Detroit. Uh, we've heard Atlanta mentioned a lot, which I think makes sense with being able to get Collins back for him in the trade. Um, we've heard Brooklyn a lot as well. Miami's uh, it seems like they're in on everybody right now as well. DeAndre Ayton, what happened? I mean, two years ago, everybody was saying this this core group of Booker, Ayton, and and Paul, they're going to win a championship soon. And now here they sit. Uh, well, last year they were in the finals, and and now they're like, yeah, we got to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, so where does Ayton end up? And what do you do? You like him? Uh, do you think he can add something to it to a team to maybe put them over the top? I think I like. First of all, I like DeAndre Ayton's game. Do I think he's a do I think he's a star? I would probably lean yes towards he's a star. The problem with DeAndre Ayton is his floor spacing. I just think he he resembles those early 2000s big men that we saw, the guys that are averaging 18 and 10, the guys who could post up in the paint, give you post hooks, give you layups, give get to the foul line. But I don't really see him as a floor spacer. But the good thing about DeAndre Ayton is that he will re, he will fit any rebuilding timeline. And I think that is the one thing to look out for. And I, it's kind of unrealistic, but one team I really think that should make a shot at him is the Utah Jazz. I really think the Jazz should make a shot at 
because you look at the pieces they just got in the Rudy Gobert trade, and he fits that timeline with Donovan Mitchell. And I really, really love him as a fit next to Donovan Mitchell, a way better fit than Rudy Gobert was. So I don't I know, like if, I don't know if he's going to go there, but that's yeah. just one team to keep an eye on. I like that a lot. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that or thought of that one. Um, we're running out of time, but I want to ask you about Zion Williamson. He signs the max extension in New Orleans. Um, is he going to play? I mean, is he going to play half the games this season? When are we going to see Zion Williamson actually play a majority of a season? I think next year, I think we will see him. Granted, obviously it's Zion, so we can expect him to get hurt because he, he is one of those players that just throws his body around. So obviously – you will probably go through an injury. He's kind of like he's kind of becoming an Anthony Davis in that aspect. Mm. But I do think we will at least see him next year. And if we see him and he, he gives us a Zion Williams and we saw before the injury, look out for the Pelicans because they could be scary with McCollum, Ingram, and Zion. Yeah, I thought I said at the end of the season, I thought they should trade him. And now you're looking at the hall that guys are going to be getting with some of these people. Um, if you can get, you know, get two, I mean, think if you could trade them to for instance, Phoenix, if you could get Aiden and Bridges back um, for Zion. I don't know that you could, uh, but if you could, I mean, that makes I feel me like, a little better. Yeah, I feel like you could definitely get Aiden for Zion. I, I really feel like that's probably an equal trade. I feel like that would benefit both sides, honestly. You look at the Pelicans, they get Aiden. He's a great pick-and-roll partner. He can give you stuff on offense. And you look at Zion, he kind of he fits in right there. The only problem is – is that I would worry about center play with Phoenix when you add Zion. Obviously, he can't play the five. So you have to go out in free agency or rely on a guy who you're not paying that much, who I wouldn't say unproven, but is not on that level of like a DeAndre Ayton was. Sure, sure. All right. Well, we are running up on time. Drew, uh, awesome, awesome time here with you and good conversation. Uh, He's with Belly Up Basketball. Is there anywhere people can follow you on social media and uh, and hear your takes, see your takes anywhere there. Um, I am frequent on my regular Instagram account. It's just Drew and then my last name. Of course, you can see it on the screen. And, of course, Twitter. I do like to be active on Twitter. I like to give my opinions on certain trades and things that go down in the NBA world, not just NBA, but all sports. Awesome. Drew Moraitis. Am I saying that right, Moraitis? I, I Moraitis. Maritis, I apologize. We go. <laughs> we go through messages and then it's hard. I, I forgot to ask you how to pronounce it. I apologize. Common mistake. Common mistake. <laughs> Drew Maritis with uh, Belly Up Basketball. Thank you so much for taking some time uh, to be with Absolutely. us today. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. Happy 4th. Happy 4th to you, man. All right. That's Drew Maritis from Belly Up Basketball. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's uh, Sports Stove podcast. Uh, If you missed any part of today's live show, you can go back and catch it anywhere you get your podcasts and also available on YouTube. Make sure you use the link for Elementor on our YouTube notes as well as podcast notes. If you have a website or are wanting a website, Elementor is going to make it the most professional website you can possibly have. Then also go to intheclutch.com for a t-shirt. Use the code SPORTSTOVE. You get 10% off your purchase. Coming up this Wednesday, we will kick back off our Sports Stove Local Hour with our football position preview for Eastern Kentucky University football. Plan on having on uh, some guests for that show as well. So make sure you tune back into that as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove. <laughs>